0: Oh, mm-hmm.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the Finding Hermes podcast. I hope, as always, you're ready to lay your cards on the table and let that God of the mind walk you through the doors you need to walk through. And as I've discussed many times on this podcast and on AM Gnostic Radio, psychedelics is one way that you can let the, the God of the mind, the God of doorways, take you through many, many great doorways. It's a key. And with us to discuss this, we have Christian Funder, who will be discussing his book, Grandmother Ayahuasca. Christian, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for
2: having me. I'm honored to be here.
1: A pleasure is all mine. And uh, as we were talking before, there is uh, a lot of parallels with your life and my life for sure. Um, and we definitely see the world in uh, uh, the same way, and hopefully others can see it in a new way, where these uh, these spirits can work for a better world that is uh, definitely much in need of help. So, um, let's start with you and why you decided to write the book. Uh, how did you become involved in uh, within Theogens?
2: Um, yeah, I'll I'll try to answer both questions. So. My first experience with with uh, with or psychedelics was was actually in Bali when I accidentally I ordered a mushroom pizza. The mushroom, <laughs> yeah. I, I laughed and, at that part. I laughed. Yeah, yeah. But then I I didn't. You know, they were famous for their magic mushrooms, and maybe I should have <laughs> anticipated this. But then I just you know had this very special pizza, and it was very, very profound experience. You know, I, I actually did it alone. So no trips it or anything, but mm-hmm. I just sat there by the ocean eating my pizza. And then at some point, you know, everything just got so in, you know, emotionally felt pregnant of feeling and intensity. And I was just witnessing this miracle unfolding while I was sitting there crying in my chair, you know, uh, out of this tears of you know, intensity and happiness and beauty stuff. So very profound. But um, then what what brought me to Ayahuasca, what what the book is about, there was a suicidal depression. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like I tried everything and I was on the, I I was far out. I, I was, you know, contemplating how to kill myself and stuff. And then I just I had a friend talk about uh, dimethyltryptamine, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I gotta try everything at least. Like, I I have to do that for myself. And then I went for it. I I, I took my trip to Peru, and then I, <laughs> I just had the, the the trip of a lifetime. But not only positive, right? It's it's a, it's a lot of stuff. But it was revolutionary. I think it's a good word. And then these you know past three four years has just been trying to integrate or land i'm still integrating i guess yeah
1: yeah and uh, for the audience uh christian's book is uh not just about ayahuasca but it's about uh philosophy mysticism it's a very broad book as as i mentioned on how we've become disconnected with the cosmos as you quote carl jung and how we can become once again connected to our ancestors, to ourselves, to the world. So your book is uh, very encompassing, I would say. And of course, uh, you quote a lot the work of uh, Terence McKenna. How did he inform your views? Was this after your uh, ayahuasca and you struggling with depression, or were you always into him?
2: Uh, i oh so so after the experiences right after i i my, like my ontological sand castle just has been destroyed you know by <laughs> by psychedelics I, I just got it was it's just so weird you know it's like you you're invited into this incredible mystery which establishes some kind of ontological priority you can't question the validity of what has happened you just have to deal with it and that was just way too crazy and it didn't suit with with the worldview that i've been handed so I kind of felt like, okay, I'm kind of a curious person. I, I think I could call myself. So I just, I didn't accept the fact that this this was so weird. So I just, you know, I, I, I quit school and I just studied and read and, you know, meditated every day, all the time. Just because this, I couldn't just leave this to it, you know. And then I found Terrence McKenna, and Aldo Huxley and Henry Bergson and Schilling and Whitehead and all these uh you know, philosophers that has become deep, a part of my life, they may be dead, but they are, you know, they, they're they very dear to me and their philosophies has deeply helped me integrate my way back into this world. Um, so, yeah, Mitt, I think if you're a psychedelic explorer, you kind of meet Terence McKenna along the way somehow.
1: <laughs> you have to. I mean, the men's work is groundbreaking on all yes. On all fronts, when it comes to psychedelics, and I love in your book, you talk how, uh, as Jung said, we've been disconnected with the cosmos. But to Terence McKenna, we've become disconnected to the chaos. And by chaos, mm-hmm. I think of uh, the dream time, the lunar world, uh, the right brain, the holistic, the serpent. You know, the part that civilization, to be more efficient, kind of marginalize, and we've become our collective psyche has become unbalanced. And uh, you were talking, it was uh, very touching how you you talk about your depression and I could relate because like you for years, every day I was just miserable. I was like uh, the movie, The Joker or Donnie Darker. You wake up every day and you just feel like hell. And at some point it seems death is a step up and um, mm-hmm. suicidal thoughts and i was reflecting well why was i depressed and then i kept thinking of uh recently i've learned uh, i think who hit it on the head a friend showed me a quote by i think it was james hollis and it talks about when you want to die you don't fit what happens is that your worldview is wrong and it's your worldview that needs to die so that your ego can find a new purpose and each one of us has a different purpose and i think uh do you think that's what happened to you? You were caught in the wrong worldview. You thought uh, Christian had to die, but what had to die was this worldview of uh, this solar civilized logical worldview and something more organic had to come through and the psychedelics helped break that open. Uh,
2: I think that's a very interesting quote and a very interesting way of seeing it. I think there's a lot of truth to it. I think... The worldview, the, the edifice that, that we are walking around is very unhealthy, very wrong. Uh, as I see it, I may be wrong, but I think the, the normal secularization thesis is that uh, uh, God is dead and science has explained everything away and we are living in a world of dead matter um all this stuff right but 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 and this is horrible we we don't see ourselves as part of nature we don't feel the magic feeling everywhere around us as the shamans did and and we just we laugh at them and call them morons who project their own consciousness onto nature and that's such an embarrassment for for us to to, to be able to not only disagree but to do it in this arrogant way and i think what the psychedelics do and I'm not saying that there are other doors into this mystery, right? But they shed off these cultural layers and take you into this felt, primal, body, magical mystery, very intense mode of pregnant feeling where it's everything is just you you feel the world around yourself, right? You 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 see that the mind is some kind of gateway into this cosmic experience you're a part of, right? It's just Reality is magical, and we shouldn't explain that away, right? It's beautiful, but it's intense. And I also think that this intensity is what scares us in many ways and why we guard ourselves from it, right? Um, But Heidegger is one of the philosophers who said that um, it's very important. The the, the way we see the world, our worldviews are not unimportant. We can't just disregard them because, yeah, you can think whatever you, you want because the truth is just the truth, you know? but because we are a forcing agent we we manifest the world we think we live in so if we think we live in a world that is of dead matter in a like a machine and we're opposed from it then that's the world we create right it's it's very important to change worldviews
3: yeah i think
1: that's really well said and I, i certainly agree with you on that one and uh yeah, and the paradox is uh, we become connected to the world, to nature. We become connected to ourselves, our true selves, primary selves that serves the selves that, that has a purpose, which, again, Jung, individuation, which is doing what you're supposed to be doing in this earth, your purpose. We all have one, and we've become disconnected. And when you talked about your... um experience in peru it reminded me of me doing uh ayahuasca ceremonies with santo daime and i, I laughed yeah yeah i was with the church in, uh, in portugal cool. um and i laughed because the well uh, with empathy because the horror you experience the first two days brought me back to the horror i experienced because yeah it was like all my insecurities and fears and worries and doubts were hit on me. But a thousand times, all my bad memories were attacking me. And I'm sitting there doing this like funny Christian music and dancing around in a white shirt and blue <laughs> pants and eating nails. I love you. And and I'm thinking I, this is worse than death. This is hell. <laughs> Well, and then all of the a yeah. sudden, you are guided, you trust the shaman, and suddenly you are taken to a place. You break out of your ego, and you are in the most amazing place of insight and connection and revelation. It's As I was telling somebody last night uh, doing a podcast I was on, it's very much like the mystery traditions or the Gnostic rituals where... You start out, you go down into Hades and you meet the Mm. you meet the Hades or Saturn or these demons and they attack you. Jesus going down into hell for three days or two days and then suddenly you are able to leave and go through the stargates and go to Olympus. So I could relate to it and uh, that it was a great experience you shared.
2: Yeah, but I'm, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that you had a great experience as well. It's very interesting to me this whole Santa Diamond tradition, you know, with because they don't do it, uh, quote unquote, normally. They they dance for hours and all this stuff, and I just done
1: eight hours. I, I've done eight I, hours I, straight.
2: But it's very intense because I can only imagine sitting there on my mattress just because it, even getting up or it, it's I way too much for me. But there's also something about dancing and letting the emotions and stuff flow through you in the dance. And, you know, I, 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 because I remember also at a ceremony, I just sit, been sitting down and everything was kind of stuck. Then I got up to the toilet and stuff. And by walking and moving around, also moved the energy around the body and just, I got out something else stuck. So it's interesting to dance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. And I remember it was, uh, might not work these days, but uh, you do Santa Dime, it's men on this side, women on that side. Okay. And they're very alchemical. They're like, there's a female, there's an anima and an animus, and they must be balanced. We can't uh, we can't change it around. And of course, like you talk about, there's the hours of these really goofy songs, but they're perfect for the mm-hmm. uh, for the ritual. Because again, every time I did the ritual, it was the same thing, going down into hell rising into heaven having a revelation or an out-of-body experience and just being uh really completely transformed by it
2: yeah yeah it's it's really interesting this it, it, it can it, it's kind of <sighs> normally we see we, we think suffering is bad and, and you should avoid it and all this stuff but the the, the whole part of feeling horrible and, and, and all this stuff leaving you and this bowl of emotional and physical horror going through you it's unbelievably horrible but it can be so liberating to get these things out and have them felt and get them through you because normally we just medicate everything away i feel bad anxiety medicine i feel bad take a painkiller just we don't want bad emotions but they need to be felt and go through us to experience them not being there right um and i also think what you say about this because this is really a theme for me at the moment. And I just like to share it that um, what, what what does it mean that we get revelation and and these uh, information and all this insight pregnant with feeling and everything in this uh, mind, psychedelic space. And I just, I I just really like to play with the thought that that works for me, that that I think it's because we're accessing what Plato and Aristotle talked about and many others, but they talked about this overmind, this, divine mind, this thought thinking itself, uh, this collective mind in which we all share, in which we all participate as individual expressions of it. And it's just, this is how the shamans got all this incredible information because they access this greater mind of which we are part of and which uh, Goethe says we can learn to participate in by making ourselves worthy of nature as a process, right? It's just so interesting to me. (laughs)
1: Oh, I agree. And yeah, we talk about you and I talk about revelation and mysticism. But as you do in your book, Grandmother Ayahuasca, and you spend a lot of you provide a lot of research, we're not really it's not even mystical, but it's seeing reality for what it is. It's almost like it's our birthright, our inheritance to be able to see the entire world and ourselves as we truly are. Is uh there's a quote by uh Caitlin Johnstone, and I really love it. She's a writer, it's right here, and it goes, uh, psychedelics are useful not for the hallucinations they provide, but for the hallucinations they remove. So oh, we are so that's that's yeah. what we're seeing. And then there's another quote by Jung, um, where he talks about uh let me quote it too. It's from his letters from 1975, Mm -hmm. and it goes, uh, The idea that hallucinogens could produce a transcendental experience is shocking. The drug merely uncovers the normally unconscious functional layer of perception and emotional variants which are psychologically transcendent, but by no means are transcendental. In other words, Mm. you're saying this opens up
2: to what we were meant to see, reality. Yeah. And it's what, 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 what I personally think, and what you're also saying kind of in the quotes and yourself is that this is not just the imagination playing tricks on us. I think we, the the mind is just, or your experience is upgraded. Your glasses of perception, doors of perception is enhanced. So you're able to see more of reality. And then I think the actual hallucination, that is the idea of bifurcation between us and nature. The, 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 you know, illusion that hallucination that everyone agrees to that even the dictionary agrees to. And then when we do these things, then the boundaries dissolve, you, you access your greater mind, your greater spirit, you see yourself as a part of nature, everything is like breathing and living and not only yourself, everything is alive. That's what the shaman said once, you know, that spirit is interfused through everything. And, and we laugh at that stuff now. And call them you know
1: yeah <laughs> the term is woo woo here in the united states <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it, no but it is true but it's it, it is our natural state i believe it's how we used to be it's how animals communicate and plants communicate and it's uh i say the word holistic but it's just uh, we become and i keep repeating we become very cut off from this source and i love how um in your book, you talk about uh, the spirit. The ayahuasca is not just a plant, but it is a spirit that speaks to us and guides to us. There's one section where uh, there's these uh, uh, tribe in Colombia that call it Oni. And mm. Oni translates into wisdom. So, of course, nice. I'm thinking of Sophia, the great goddess of the Gnostics that Christianity and Judaism marginalized and of course your book talks about the Gnostic on the origins of the, of the world and all of that and of course it's been established that the Gnostics were shamans or they, they were looking for ecstatic experience probably within theogens and some if we can it seems to be pretty obvious in some other texts so what are what are some of the views, Christian, of how the indigenous people see ayahuasca as a goddess, as a spirit, or how else?
2: Um, well, uh, it, it, it is the name for the, for, 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 for the medicine you drink. But behind the medicine, it's not just, uh, as as we would call it, neurons and uh, molecules interacting. There's a living... Breathing plant spirit behind this medicine, and for each medicine, there is a different spirit with a different personality and different things to teach you. But but ayahuasca is is, is the, well, I think it is the Santo diamond tradition who calls uh, her the queen of all teachers or the teacher of all teachers. Yeah. So a very powerful spirit, which is who is female and um living uh, intelligence, taking care of us with compassion and love. And I just find this so incredibly interesting because to the Western rational mind that is just laughable that a plant is, has a spirit and it can talk to you and it's wise and I would say so much oh, horribly much wiser than I can ever hope to be and I don't even want to compete you know? I just <laughs> um, but, but but also I think it is also somehow interwoven with this idea of the conscious earth and that that it is somehow speaking to us through these plants, that it is the kind of cum- communication. And I just find this very very interesting to relate to the idea of the the um, well whitehead's god, but also Plato's uh, sort of Plato's um, the 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 trio trio of the good, the true, and the beautiful, because it is just. To me, the these plants and these spirits, it is just the purest, most perfect, incredible, wise example that that we can learn from. It's just for me, it's just very natural. Of, of course, they are our teachers. Of course, this is like going to school. Of course, this is how we should learn from the living planet, from from which we grew. Right? We're not a post nature. We're children of this living intelligence, interfused through everything, and it just. It Whitehead talks about this um um that there's this lure for feeling of a consequent nature of god which is like the uh, experience the process holding all other experience which he calls the fellow sufferer who understands who guides us towards truth and beauty self-transcends all the time and it's just it makes sense to me it makes sense
1: <laughs> yeah beautifully said and uh it, there's another part of your book. You talk about another Colombian legend. And it goes that uh, how ayahuasca came. And it was, uh, there was the son father who impregnated the woman of the earth with his gaze. And I really love that. There's beautiful mythology. It, it reminds me too of uh, in the the Gnostic, the secret book of John. That's how creation happens is that the the one impregnates the 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 divine female presence bar below by looking into her and these things are created. Whoa. So, uh, it re- and of course the idea, as you mentioned, Santo Daime, where you have, uh, uh, Irenaeus, Maestro Irenaeus. she's walking through the woods and this woman appears ah, and yeah. teaches him how to put these two plants together. And it's a uh, amazing legends. Uh, any other favorite myths from, uh, from, uh, South America that you like?
2: Uh, they, they. I, I think I, I really liked the the two stories you just said, especially the one about Irino, where he was taken into the forest and fasted and met this beautiful being that who told him to do this. Um, I also, I, I, I wrote about the other story in the in the book about Yube, about where where he uh, fell in love with this snake woman who told mm. uh, uh, who taught him about ayahuasca. And it's hard to say what's true and what's not and i to to some extent i don't even think it's relevant i just think it's interesting how there are all these different stories of how and they all share the same theme kind of the ones i've read mostly that the plants or the snakes or the spirits taught them to make the medicine um that 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 is what i find really interesting ultimately yeah Um, indeed and um...
1: And uh, for the, te- let's get into a little technicality. Tell us how ayahuasca is made and what are the effects on the brain? And I know I, my uncle used to teach me how to make ayahuasca, but I was, you know, that was Whoa. years ago. No, I completely ignored him because I was not wise. Okay. I just wanted the effects, you know, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but tell how is it made?
2: Okay. So it, it's kind of a unique thing because normally for for example mushrooms you just eat and cacti you just that's a bit more complicated because you can grind it into powder or do stuff but it's only one ingredient you do something about but ayahuasca is a synergistic relationship between two jungle ingredients so you need diamond you need uh, chacruna leaves which contain the active powerful psychedelic molecule which is dimethyltryptamine and then you need another ingredient which is the vine the ayahuasca vine and normally you if you only eat eat the leaves with the dimethyltryptamine it will be immediately broken down by enzymes in your stomach but Mm -hmm. that's why you take the ayahuasca vine because they inhibit the enzymes that that would break down the dnc and it's allowed to be processed in the body and there are stuffs like harmaline Tetrahydroharmaline and Harmol, which is psychoactive in the ayahuasca vine alone. Some would just chew that as well. But the mix is really, really powerful. And what I think is very interesting, which we also have talked a bit about already, is how did they know to mix these two plants? It's just a freaking mystery. And I don't buy the trial and error thing because there are like 80,000 plant species in the Amazon. It's a jungle down there literally (laughs) so we're 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 tiptoeing over a real mystery here and and i believe that the plant spirits taught them um and i guess if i hadn't tried ayahuasca i I would be skeptical but something is going on with this stuff that, that is not easily understood with with this thing up here
1: yeah and what are the uh scientifically what are the effects on the brain what does it do exactly?
2: Okay. Well, that is a bit more tricky. Um, Psychedelics generally have an effect on the brain that it kind of, uh, I don't know how much detail I should get into here. I'll try to explain it briefly, that it inhibits something called the default mode network, which is a kind of a network of different brain areas that normally has the job of um controlling and structuring the brain so 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 it's very rigorous in its way of operation but psychedelics kind of shut this mechanism down the structural rigorous mechanism and the brain is allowed to communicate and operate more freely um which then allows uh, this expansion of consciousness because um the, the the normal survival mechanism of the of the brain is seized, is, is let down, and more of the what I would call this greater mind in which we participate that is normally limited because it's too much for us to handle is let in and you access this cosmic nature of your being. Yeah, kind of. I think that <laughs> – I hope that was somewhat okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe um, it wasn't
2: too technical even. No, okay.
1: no, no, no. People can de- – Google is your friend out there if you want the charts <laughs> and everything of the brain and and ayahuasca it, it is considered the most what potent narcotic
2: in the world um well so, some people say that salvia is above it but but I'm not it's not like a rank list I definitely say ayahuasca it was way up there as dimethyltryptamine um not... I, yeah, I wouldn't recommend anyone starting there. Sure?
1: <laughs> no, no. I mean, even as we talked, I remember going to my, my uncle's church and he'd have the daima there and I'd be like, there is no way on earth I'm doing this alone. The The thought of doing ayahuasca by myself terrifies me more, probably more than death, because it's it's something, wouldn't you agree, it's something you really do need the, the Buddhist sangha or the egregore. You need a a leader to take you, for it to be worth anything,
2: right? Definitely. It's, it's just so powerful. Um, And it just, you, first of all, being in a room with other people who is there to heal and share with love and all this stuff, you create an energy in the room, which you all are nourished and helped by and strung together in this web of love and and an inter-experience. And then the songs which guides you about the shaman, the ikaros, the people that helps you if you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I could not imagine that it's completely crazy. I know people do this alone and I guess OK for you, but I just couldn't imagine. And it's, it's hard to understand, but you can get to a point where, where, where you just you can't you don't even necessarily know how to breathe. Right. You, 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 you might need help with stuff. And uh, you might, sh- you know, shit your pants, and it's nice to maybe, possibly, get some maybe help with that because you don't want to shit in your sit in your shit for hours, right? It's just <laughs> very basic stuff you might need help with.
1: Yeah, it's a complete purging. It's a purging of your egoic constructs that are, as we talk, uh, you, in our, you, uh, your life and my life, it, it were actually deleterious to our psyche. We had the wrong view of the world and it's certainly purging to the body. I would laugh because there'd be rituals where I'd be like, all right, I'm going to, I ate before the ritual. Of course, I'd be running to the bathroom and blah, and just, it was just painful. But then there's rituals where I would still fast the whole day and I'd still be going to the bathroom. Yeah. And then yeah. I realized it really is purging every cell in mm-hmm. my body, my psyche, my whole, my aura is being purged.
2: It's it, this purging element is so interesting to me. It's I, I think it's very, I've, I've gone through some powerful purges and it's really, really uncomfortable, really uncomfortable. But, and I don't understand because I fast too. What is, but I, because I'm seeing what is going out. It's horrible. It's uh, it feels horrible. And it's kind of gathers into this ball, which kind of slowly moves through you. And it has a personality and way it looks and all this stuff. And it's alive and it gets out. And I'm like, We think that this body is just, you know, sinews and bones and muscles, but it's, you're just, you're just inhabiting some kind of magical creature. And I, I really like what Schelling says that, that what is happening is that nature, we are nature giving birth to itself. Everything from the beginning, it was atoms and gas constantly transcending itself to feel more and become more of itself. And here we are, in this cosmic achievement, with this magical thing we just inhabit each of us. It's just, and it is absolutely a freaking mystery what is going on right here. Yeah, it's, indeed, it's,
1: indeed, yeah. yeah. You realize your body—it's an entire cosmos on itself, and what you think of it is uh, completely different. And uh, I, it's interesting. For example, my uncle—he did it for years, so he could actually like take a little di- you know ayahuasca and go out and do his day grow plants go see friends because he was and then the- you go to the amazons and you have the big uh ayahuasca villages and kids are taking this very potent drug mm. that would knock any adult but they're used to it it's part of their life and they're connected to the forest and their diets are great so it is uh it is fascinating so I guess this leads me to the other advice, and I've stressed this on the show and many other places: is that don't go at it alone, right? You need a good, uh, hierophant or shaman or elder to
2: take you there, right? Very much. And I'd also, not only that, but I would also, not just anyone. There are many charlatans out there that just want your money. And some also, I just have to say how it is: some also just want to take adventures and have sex with you. Um, when you're under the influence of this stuff nice. so just have have them recommend it. whoever you're going for it's really important this is not for fun it has to be done the, the right way when you go into these realms because it be, can be such a powerful experience in in many ways good and bad uh, depending on how it is done and then also i just have to say that if you are about to do this just do your homework. If you're on some kind of medicine, research the interactions because it can lead to something called serotonin syndrome if you're on, uh, what's it called, antidepressants, SRIs, SSRIs, okay. for example, which is can be lethal. So just do your research. And I also very much recommend meditation because I think uh, psychedelic practice, I, a, a lot of the people I do it with, we basically just sit for 10 hours and meditate. So it's nice to have familiarized yourself with your own spiritual interior before, you know, go to the swimming pool before you go into the ocean, you know. <laughs> That's it.
1: Yeah, you you do talk in your book, uh, Grandmother Ayahuasca, about meditation, and how it's important. And it reminded me of this quote by Aldous Huxley. It goes, uh, an idiot doing acid is still an idiot. On, is still an idiot on acid." So, in other <laughs> words, the it, uh, what he's saying is the 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 psychedelic isn't going to cure you. There's a lot more to it. You have to put uh, a lot of legwork into it.
2: Yeah, It reminds me of a quote from Terence McKenna as well. He said that um it is about the drug but it's also about the monkey who's taken it, right? It, it's, it, <laughs> it's it you you bring yourself and that's what I think is so interesting. I did a uh, uh Wachuma with a shaman in uh, Peru this summer and he said that when we did the the drink which is an incredible teacher as well, Wachuma. And he said that uh, we're all drinking the same after each of us has shared completely different experiences. We all drank the same medicine. Isn't that interesting, right? So it's not like everyone is experiencing a completely different adventure, which is to me saying that this medicine is just showing your own interior to yourself, showing what you have to work with, what you have to deal with, the places that you have to go to and see that it's just a teacher for you. Right. It's yeah, I think it's real beautiful. Uh, and I think it's great that you uh, you are a fan of L. Du Huxley as well. I just, I love him so much. Have you read Doors of Perception?
1: Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about a, it? Oh, it's a great book. Definitely a, a seminal book. And based on, obviously, William Blake, uh, as you mm-hmm. quote him, if we cleanse the doors of perception, we yeah. see everything as it is, infinite. I think that's what the plant does, the spirit, uh, this woman in the forest. And I love how you just said it's a, it's a teacher because we all will travel a different path with ayahuasca. Like the first time I, I got married and I had my wife do ayahuasca and she's a very, uh, uh, lo- she was back then a loyal Catholic. So, of course, what we saw was different. I would, I would see mm. uh, visions of serpents because I'm into Gnosticism. It was positive she would see a serpent and she knew it was evil and would scream Mm. at the serpent right there in the middle of the room, Mm. you know? So it really, like you said, we're all going to, our cultural backgrounds and everything are going to influence the images and symbols we see.
2: Very much. And I also, I just, I'm I'm really, it's, it's really also a thing for me, this theme that you're going through about how we've been, how we've been separated fra- from this part of our dimension. And I really think that it ultimately like all this that we're seeing, all this that, that, that is going on with the world, it's ultimately just a projection of this disease of disconnection. I see. We don't right. feel ourselves in the world anymore. And this is the price we pay for this breakup of this guy in exile, right? Mm-hmm. Because what I think is I'm not I- I'm not an advocate, I'm just I'm not gonna force anyone to do this, but I think. If there was once every month, every full moon in every greater city, a possibility for whoever felt the call to participate in a ceremony, not just mass producing pills with psychedelic stuff in there, ceremonies with songs and love and openness and shamanism, nature, then there would just happen something radically different because... Not feeling yourself as a part of the living world and living mystery from which you are growing, and see yourself with this isolated stranger in a world of dead matter that is toxic stuff that's like a fish away from water. And I'm not, I'm not a missionary. I'm not going to come here and say what's right and wrong. Whoever believes what they're going to believe, but I do think that it's important that we see and feel ourselves as a part of this living, breathing planetary mystery right it's yeah i
1: think that's beautifully said uh christian and uh we are we certainly are very much uh disconnected i mean even there are people you hear scholars and talking heads for example uh jordan peterson he's like well this is the best time there's less poverty there's less war there's more progress and statistically he he's 100 percent right and so in others however then they kind of forget the part of how suicide rates depression mm. anxiety have never been worse in the human condition I'm sure you know just
2: too. Wh- what does he mean with progress yeah that's yeah. just an interesting word to contemplate like what does progress mean because I would I would say that whatever they think is progress at the moment is very much not progress it's not freedom to buy more stuff it's not uh, I, I guess it's nice that there is peace and stuff, but more buildings and more all this stuff, that, that's not necessarily progress, more money, more. It's, a, a, and I think that we are just kind of this Western enterprise. It's kind of this weird thing that, mo- that, that has convinced itself that it knows what's going on and has claimed authority of knowledge and wisdom of everything. And we just kind of want to spread this thing everywhere. And everyone who's not into this, they are just wrong and needs to be converted. And, and, and I think it has to be the other way around. What these pre-modern tribes know and feel in their bodies, like felt knowledge, while we were living in this desert of abstraction is something we very much need. They need to come and teach us what it means to be a human being, right? What, how to live, how to understand yourself as a part of the forest. And what I think is these psychedelics, to me, they're just teachers, to and, and and psychologists and 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 doctors to help you heal your body and your deluded worldview, <laughs> right? It's
1: yeah, yeah. Challenge you. They are uh, Satan or the Egyptian god Set. These beings that challenge your your constructs and and break them down are positive too, and at the same time. um we is uh, again, from your book, you quote Terence McKenna, who says I believe uh, that uh, the governments it's not that they're against us having psychedelics is that they want us to have corporate psychedelics mm. right. They yeah. want us to have as opioids and all that and that is added to the destruction of our collective psychic too, you would agree
2: yeah, it's it, it's kind of a, a grim side of it and I, I'm not going to say what's right or wrong. It's just interesting that the drugs that are allowed are the drugs that they prescribe and are addictive and kind of subscribe to this whole consumerism idea, right? More alcohol to, you know, get a numbing break from the material grind, more caffeine to make you more productive, um, more pills, more everything, but stuff that makes you question things and open your mind and challenge ideas and and escape you from this rat race of consumerism and this stuff. That's not good. No, no, <laughs> away with that, right?
1: Yeah, not at all. But are you worried about? Um, I don't know how to explain this. It's very positive. I don't know how it is in Denmark but here in the United States. Obviously, cannabis is becoming recreational everywhere. Uh, mushroom therapy psilocybin is becoming more accepted there are programs now uh, the ayahuasca has been challenged by a few churches and the the judges have ruled for it that it's it is allowed it seems there is a movement to allow this going in but at the same time I worry because already some people in Silicon Valley are saying, well, we can make ayahuasca part of the pharmaceutical industry and make it into pills. And I'm like, oh, no, don't, you know, don't commercialize this shit. What are your views on this or what do you think?
2: Yeah, I I, I don't remember who, you know, there's so many quotes. I don't remember who, it just, it, it gets up to my mind. He says, it's not only about the biochemical weaponry It's about the environment. It's about the setting. It's about the intention. It's about the songs, the community, the nature, the people, the shaman, all this stuff that is so important for it also to be there and be a great experience. Because I think if we just commercialize it, put it into pills and make it mass produce money discount, you already see it with Compass Pathways wanting to overtake it and earn more money. And it's just don't capitalize this stuff. It's... I just I get angry almost thinking about it that we can take the sacred lifeblood of a dying culture of our living con- connection to this living breathing beautiful mother and 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 make it about money and just take the magic out of it. It just <laughs> it's uh, it, it has to be integrated somehow. But I just hope that we respect the thousands of years of knowledge and tradition that this has been part of right yeah mm-hmm. so yeah
1: well said i can't think of anything worse than driving to the pharmacist and then popping this pill in my car you're 100% right there needs to be a ritual there needs to be a journey there needs to be a, a creativity for this for these spirits to work in our lives and how is it in denmark i mean denmark is a pretty secular place i mean are you are you sort of on the outside and the liminal places on the edges? Uh, you are the woo-woo there in Denmark.
2: No, you are. Uh, you, it's going better for you, you guys, than it is for us. Um, oh, you really? It's n- yeah, not much is happening. That's that's basically it. Um, <laughs> it it's <laughs> everything is still illegal. No, um, so it
1: is still illegal. Wow.
2: Yeah, and uh, it's just. It's not so such a hot thing in Denmark. I think you're 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 ahead of a you're ahead in a in, in America. But I do also think you're right, and, and we have to say positive because I think we are opening up to these worlds. It's just a matter of how are we opening up to these worlds, and that's the whole problem about integration. How is it integrated? Um, yeah.
1: Oh wow! And so when you I do I, I want to say days. something. <laughs> Uh, When you do these ceremonies, you do them in Denmark or you have to go to Peru or the Amazons to do them?
2: I do mushrooms here. I grow them myself. (laughs) Uh, A very, very nice process of growing mushrooms. Um, You you give them love while you grow them and stuff. Uh, Very beautiful. And then when I have to do uh, more powerful stuff like ayahuasca and huachuma, I haven't done too much. I do it maybe once a year or something. Then I go to Peru because... I just have some really nice places that I like to visit and some friends over there I like to visit. And I just, the retreats I've been on, the friends I've made there, it's just crazy how close we become. And I'm not saying I don't have close friends here in Denmark, but meeting people who are also on this journey with plants and and, and live in this dimension. And and we get into this loving hippie community where we just love each other and play music and and just share and open. And it's so beautiful. And I think that's what the plants help us to, right? To to open and be vulnerable and to feel and to all all this stuff that, that is just shut down normally, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I love the warning in your book. You're talking about love and all that. And you do point out that you had the hippie movement, which <laughs> really embraced psychedelics and drugs. But the problem was, is that, as you write, you inject all these drugs into a movement with no leaders, no shamans, it's just a, a free for all, and it ended up doing more damage than good. The hippies became disillusioned, yeah. the they became yuppies, they became the most materialistic people in the world. So again, you stress, if we're going to let these psychedelics, we got to worry about the government and their, and the businesses and their desire for money on one side. And on the other side, like you said, we can't go into hedonism. We need teachers. For the plan to teach us, we need ritual and teachers.
2: Yeah. And, and it's hard because the, the hippies were just interested and curious and they just took whatever. But was, but yeah. but but just l- let's listen to the people, the shamans, the tribes who've done this for maybe hundreds and thousands of years. There, there, there may be a reason that they all share the way in which they do it in a ritualistic setting with shamans and songs and respect and humility and all this stuff. And I just, I just doing a psychedelic and going to a party think like I just, it's, it's completely insane to me. And I guess I'm not going to say what's right. I I respect people who do that, I guess, but it just, it just doesn't work for me. It just, there's just, and I think it's really important to, to bring in, it's a way to respect the plant teachers as well to, to 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 have this room where you do it where it's not just going to a party or popping a pill before work to make you more productive i really get triggered by that there's a lot of I, uh, there's a lot of these articles and stuff which says that psychedelics can make you more creative for work and productive and, and it's, you've misunderstood it's not about making more <laughs> money it's it, it's not what this is about it, it's it, i just think it's so important that that we get information on this stuff
1: yeah, yeah. And, and have you uh seen any studies that show, scientific studies that show the benefits of ayahuasca? Something you might want to share with the audience?
2: Um, yeah, uh, I, I wrote a whole section of uh, studies in the book about benefits from ayahuasca, and it was... And also I have a whole chapter, which I, yeah, you read about all all, all the experiences from different participants and it's not always nice. It's sometimes also just horrible. It's not always pleasant, but people say that even though it is a, a hard time they have, then this hard time is revolutionary for them. Something has been let go. They feel lighter. They feel more clarified. Emotions were processed. They have to be felt to be, to get over them. Um, And people felt better, more connected to nature, more spiritual, less violent, uh, less prone to alcohol. Depression subsided, and they they didn't feel need for validation. All this stuff that happened, which I think that ultimately, I think all these a lot of these problems we face, they are because we don't. They're not. They're because we don't feel ourselves anymore. It's because we don't feel connected to ourselves and the world and people and the living planet from which everything else grows. And from this living connection can flow love into your life, which you can then express. I think it's just to be disconnected from this source and we don't even acknowledge that there is a source, that the nature is alive and from which we grew. It's just really weird place in history we've landed my friend
1: <laughs> yes 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 indeed and it's not getting any better i mean i'm sure with uh the lockdowns i'm sure it's made things worse uh here in the united states is definitely suppress even more the psyche of people what about over there in denmark i think now you guys um, are open pretty much right
2: we are pretty open. It was nice to come back to Denmark. There were no mess anymore, and we could just hug and hang out and go to it. So, so it, it's really nice here. Um, but I am sure that it has uh, – but there maybe also have been some good things about it. It's given us some time to, to rest and think and meditate and read and be with ourselves and our family and just sit with yourself without having these million things you have to do. To familiarize yourself with yourself, that can also be very healthy, I think. um, Yeah, it's (laughs) nice that it's, uh, I'm very glad that it's kind of over here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You can get out, you can be a little bit more free. Well, good to hear. And uh, as we get towards the end, what's uh, some advice you would have? somebody is interested in ayahuasca or another uh, psychedelic, because your book, doesn't just deal with ayahuasca, you do cover other entheogens in the later chapters as well. Again, a complete book. But what advice do you have for people?
2: Um, I think I said the most important ones. I said that research the shaman, research the medicine, do your homework, meditate before, um, respect the dieta before and after, um, and then maybe not jump into ayahuasca as the first thing (laughs) i just meditation maybe drumming first and then i would personally recommend mushrooms first um because it's it's not mushrooms can be absolutely incredible powerful i'm not saying that it isn't it's just less it doesn't just speak yeah,
3: you up like that yeah. you're
1: in yeah so, you're in yeah. you're in and you're going for a ride with ayahuasca
2: <laughs> yeah yeah so um i think that would be my uh that would be my tips
1: yeah uh, and what about i think mine would be uh don't have any expectations don't, yeah uh, just don't think it's going to cure this and it's going to do that just uh Again, let the spirits take you where they need to go, where you need to go, yeah. right?
2: Yeah, very nice. And I think it's it's okay to have an intention, uh, uh, an intention, but where, then leave it. You know, that don't cling to it. Don't try to hold on to it. Don't try to control the experience. Because I really like the idea that um, the ayahuasca vine uh, shapes to yourself, like it shapes to the vine on which it grows. It adapts mm. to your being, and just have faith that it knows what's going on and what's, what works. Uh, It's just, yeah.
1: (laughs) Beautifully said and and, and great advice. And for the audience, I definitely highly recommend you get uh, grandmother ayahuasca. It's a good book. It's an encompassing book. It's got all the science, the research it's got the, again, you document the experiences of people, the studies, the history of it. And you bring in all these wonderful philosophers who are trying to, understand the nature of reality and the nature of what it is to be a human being so uh, and the, obviously the history and anthropology of these uh, tribes in uh, south america who've been exploring and have experienced uh, these spirits and the plants so good book and uh, really appreciate you coming on finding hermes a christian and uh, good luck with everything uh, where can people find out more about you do you have a presence on the internet
2: I uh, I don't have too much of a presence on the internet. Um, I I guess my my email, if you want something that's just info, and then the name of the book, grandmother ayahuasca, and then dot com. Um, so yeah, just I- anything if you want to reach me there and there. And I just want to say thank you so much for having me. It's been great, and it's been a pleasure, and it's been nice to meeting you as well.
1: Oh, great interview and uh, good luck with all your other journeys, regardless if they're literary or mystical.
2: (laughs) Yeah, maybe both. (laughs) Thank you. Thank
1: you. And there you have it. Another great interview on Finding Hermes with Christian Funder. I hope, uh, as always, that you have now more tools in your toolbox or future tools or opportunities and choices. That's what we do here. And it's always up to you. As I say, you are a unique spiritual being that has unique needs and nothing wrong with trying new things and mix and matching. Um, I think, uh, or as I've said before... Doing uh, 110 hours of meditation is like doing one session of shamanistic ayahuasca. So it depends what you need and how you need it, but both and others will certainly open those channels of communication and facilitate your interior journey. It depends, again, how intense you need it to be or how fast you need to get to where you need to get. And it's always a little bit of experimentation. But the journey is definitely worth it. As some of you might have noticed, I sort of uh, didn't uh, put out a show, a Finding Hermes in October. And that happens. I mean, I'm very appreciative of Vance and the production he does and being a co-host. I appreciate Nate coming on and helping out. I appreciate Luthian being the webmaster and others of you who help a lot, like uh, Sunshine Valerie. But when it comes to most everything else, including scheduling, that's me, so it's sometimes a little Dionysian. But as before, when I've skipped a show, or more like skipped a month, I usually make it up, and I will make it up this November, in a few weeks I will be hosting Gigi Young, and she will be sharing her ideas, well, on how to deal with depression, anxiety, and mental disorder in this age of Hermes, from her perspective of a psychic, a researcher on UFO, and uh, some fascinating mysticism. So excited to have Gigi, and stay tuned. One thing you probably noticed too that I keep repeating is the idea of destroying your worldview and getting a new worldview. Uh, This reminds me of when Tony Robbins said that sometimes we have to change our beliefs, destroy our old beliefs. And yes, Tony is obviously getting it from NLP, so it's nothing new under the sun. And um, we tend to believe that our beliefs are somehow ingrained or an essential part of who we are. But the truth is that they are programmed. They are programmed into us from our culture, our family, our religions, and they are not essential to us, to our journey. It's not like if you uh, change your beliefs, you're going to turn into a puff of smoke all of the sudden. No, beliefs can be changed. And beliefs is how we tend to see our society, our relationships, uh, how we deal with other people or who are our expectations of where we need to be with our careers or or even our spiritual paths. And they can be changed. They really can. An example is um, this one was brought to me by Jessa Reed, and that is uh, the dad idea that somehow we need to turn off the lights in the house, and I was sort of a victim of this, the energy and worry of turning off the lights in the house and when it comes down to it when i did some reflection i realized that uh, yeah that's saving 20 to 50 dollars a month i'll turn around and spend that on a on a sudden meal or buy something on the internet so it's not that really it's not that big of a deal and i can find other ways to help the environment if i wanted to and i have Uh, So these days I just sort of let it go. I lead by example. I go around and I just turn off lights. I try to uh, explain to the kids uh, why it's good to turn off lights and I don't worry about it too much. And uh, it's a small belief, but the energy you save... Well, it's a lot more than uh, turning off the lights in the house. It turns off, it turns on a light in your head and your soul. So that's an example of a small belief you can change. Uh, The thermostat, ooh, that's one as a man, as a dad, I'm still holding on to uh, pretty tightly. But we're all works in progress. So change your beliefs and change your worldview and see if that aligns with your soul and your soul will grant you uh, more serenity and more avenues for you to find your authentic self and open those channels of communication. I'd like to also quote from Anthony DeMello's Awareness. Yes, I keep quoting him, but uh, he's just amazing. And in one uh, part of his book, Awareness, He does talk about uh, changing beliefs and our worldview, but he goes from the perspective of our attachments. We get attached to things, and one of our beliefs is that it's easy to stop our attachments, and that's sort of a trick of the demiurge, and there are other ways of doing it, and I'd like to share with you uh, from awareness. Let me know what you think. Anytime you're practicing renunciation, you're deluded. How about that? You're deluded. What are you renouncing? Anytime you renounce something, you are tied forever to the thing you renounce. There's a guru in India who says, Every time a prostitute comes to me, she's talking about nothing but God. She says, I'm sick of this life that I'm living. I want God. But every time a priest comes to me, he's talking about nothing but sex. Very well. When you renounce something, you're stuck to it forever. When you fight something, you're tied to it forever. As long as you're fighting it, you are giving it power. You give it as much power as you are using to fight it. This includes communism and everything else. So you must receive your demons. Because when you fight them, you empower them. Has nobody ever told you this? When you renounce something, you're tied to it. The only way to get out of this is to see through it. Don't renounce it, see through it. Understand its true value and you won't need to renounce it. It will just drop from your hands. But of course, if you don't see that, if you're hypnotized into thinking that you won't be happy without this, That, or the other thing, you're stuck. What we need to do for you is not what so-called spirituality attempts to do. Namely, to get you to make sacrifices, to renounce things. That's useless. You're still asleep. What we need to do is to help you understand, understand, understand. If you understood, you'd simply drop the desire for it. This is another way of saying if you woke up, you'd simply drop the desire for it. Well said, Father DeMello, and I think we can call that Gnosis a deep understanding of reality and a deep embedded experience with the all. So get that Gnosis and don't fight things, don't run away from things, because then you're tied to them. Understand them. See through them. Yes. That really is Gnosis as the Gnostics uh, contended thousands of years ago. Lastly, I want to remind you about uh, my new ebook, 10 Snackable Meditations. Uh, it's been selling well, the reception has been very positive. People have told me these techniques, these sanity hacks, are really working from them. So I want you to uh, get it and check it out because I think you'll find something that will work for you and only you for your unique spiritual constitution or makeup. And it's got plenty of exercises from Buddhism, from Christianity, Islam, New Age, occultism. I've got an exercise from Damien Eccles, an exercise from Gurdjieff, his self-aware exercise, and a lot more. Uh, Many of you have told me that you want it uh, as a paperback, Kindle, and audiobook, and yes, I am listening to you, and I am working hard to get it out very soon. Uh, so you can have this in the format you need. If you need a paperback to put it in your po- back pocket and take it with you to s- not seize the day, but save the day so you can get to your next spiritual practice. Or if you need some of these meditations when you're driving to work or uh, going for a walk or jogging, I'll get it to you. So check out 10 Snackable Meditations. And thanks for those of you who have bought it and the feedback that you have given me. Well, that's about it, and again, a finding Hermes should be in the near future, so I hope, as I keep saying, that uh, you're finding the keys to walk through those doors with the God of the mind, that you are laying your cards down on the table, and you are becoming transparent to the transcendent, as both Mary Magdalene and Joseph Campbell said. Thank you.